Yes. Please give them a nice hand because uh, Denise and I aren't on the best of terms right now. I've been working so diligently at, at uh, dropping tonnage, and she brought English toffee on Sunday, about 15 pounds of it, at least that's what I think when I hop on the scale, so I just want to thank her for contributing to my delinquency. Amen. I still love you, because I know Christmas is coming and more toffee, so I really love you. Amen. All right. Y'all ready for the word tonight? I want you to take out your Bibles, stand with me, turn to Deuteronomy 28. You know, I kind of have a feeling that the day is coming when we're going to start carrying Bibles again. That way when we're sitting at wherever we're sitting and when we would all be breaking out our phones and reading the Bible, instead we're going to break out something else. And they're going to say, that's not a phone. That's got to be the Word of God. Deuteronomy 28, verses 1 and 2, I'm reading out of the ESV. It says, and if you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all His commandments that I command you today, the Lord your God will set you on high above all the nations of the earth, and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you if you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Father, tonight we thank you so much for your word, the anointing that is contained within it. I thank you for revelation knowledge that is ours by the Holy Spirit. We give you all honor and glory, for it is in the name of Jesus that we ask tonight. And everybody who agreed with that said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Now, we're going to start off a little different tonight. Uh, I need, and I know some of you are going, is there anything the same ever? But I need two people really quick. I need A and B. So somebody to be A. Okay, you're A stand right there. Somebody to be B way down there because it's you. Way down there. Way down there. Okay, that's A and B. Now, I need some more volunteers. So let's get, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six. I won't make you do that one. Let me get six more up here real quick. And we're getting better at counting every Wednesday night. We're doing so well. So I just want you to come six people very quickly. I'm going to give you something that I want you to hang on to. You should be the only one to see it. Don't point it at anybody yet. There you go. There you are. Yeah, you're going to stay right up front here. Oh, good. We got three more down here. This is great. Now, if we want to get from point A to point B, let's say point A is 
my house. And we want to get to point B, which is the church. What's going to be the easiest way for me to drive from my home in Surprise down here? Well, that's good directions, but that's not going to get me there. I need a what? I need a car. I need some keys. I need some gas. Driver. Okay, here's what I'd like you to do. All of those of you that have a piece of paper, point it out at everybody right now and assemble yourselves in the proper order to get me from A to B. You stay down there, you're B. We don't want you too close to the rest. Okay, did you see all of the confusion going on right there? They're still debating on whether it's right. Let's, let's see if they got it right. Let's see if they got it right. I need to get from point A to point B. So far, I look like I might make it halfway. Okay, let me put it a different way. I need to get from point A to point B, and I've got a driver. Am I going to get there? Okay, I'm going from point A to point B. I've got a driver and a key. Am I going to get there? So are they in the right order? Somebody tell them what order they should be in. We need the car, okay? Now, if I've got point A to point B, I've got the car, I've got the driver, I've got the key. Am I going anywhere? What do I need? Gas. I need some gas. Thank you. So, now think about it. I've got the car. I've got the driver. I've got the key. I've got gas. Got. Well, let me put it this way. If I've got the car, the driver, and the key, am I still going anywhere? I have to have gas. So they can't be in the right order yet, right? Okay, somebody tell me a good order. Okay. 
We have a thought that says perhaps everybody should be before point A. Any other thoughts? Go down the line. I've got a car, I've got gas, I've got key, I've got oil, I've got a driver, and I've got lights. Let's just assume for a moment we're in good order. We're in good order. We're going to get there. How many of you know that it's really important that certain things in life have a distinct order? If you don't have them in the right order, it doesn't work. Now, let me throw a kinker in it. I have a car. I've got gas. And I've got oil. But I put the oil in the gas tank. That's bad. Don't have to be a, a, a mechanical genius to figure out you don't put oil in the gas tank. You don't put gas in the radiator, right? None of that works. So there's far more intricacies than just what we have here, right? If I want to get from point A to point B, I have to do it in the right order because if I don't do it in the right order, I will not accomplish my goal of going from A to B. And she's got toffee. So you can have every piece and still not get to where you need to go. And oftentimes in the house of God, we see people doing just this. They're trying to figure out where every piece goes and they don't really know. And they start discussing and they start arguing and they start doing this and they start doing that because they don't really know. Why? They didn't design the car. They didn't create the destination. Pastor Barb, would you stand for a moment, please? Within the house of God, God gives leadership. And in any house, there is but one leader. That's it. So Pastor Barb, she might say, I want the gas and the car and the key and everything. And you may go, it can't work exactly like that. She says, but I've got the word of the Lord on it. So what we may think works is really irrelevant when she says, here's what God thinks. But that goes against all forms of nature. So does walking on water. So does parting the Red Sea. So it may not always make sense to us what God does. But there are certain things that in His Word that He's told us will, will work this way. Okay, now, you can all just crumple those up. Just crumple them up. Now mix yourselves up. Now just amongst each other. Now, without a specific sign in front of them that this is their gift, this is their talent, this is something else, without that label on them, this might be the right order. Because what too often happens is we get stuck into our rut of our title, our gifts, 
our talent, and God can't really use us the way he wants to because we're stuck on our title, on our thinking. But all that we're really asked to do is get from point A to point B. How do we do that? This is what we call the Great Commission. And down here is making disciples. We're going to get them born again. And it really doesn't matter what everybody's role is, but there is a distinct role. Now, I used a natural illustration because that's easier for us to figure out. But sometimes in the spirit realm, we think we know better than the Creator what label will work to get us from A to B. You may all be seated. Thank you. As I mentioned last week, I wanted to go into an area of what I've called conditional or binary truths. And they're based on the Word of God. And they're, they're conditional statements. How many of you know that God makes conditional statements? And certain conditions have to be met in order for that thing to come to pass. All that we are, all that we have, all that we ever will be belongs to Jesus as our King. We have to be at His disposal. So how do we become effective in the only commission that He's given us? Which is to go into all the world, preach this gospel, make disciples of the nations. How do we become effective at that? Well, I, I truly believe that most people have a heart for the things of the Lord. They want to serve the king. They want to be effective sharing the gospel. So we could accurately say it's not for a lack of desire that the church doesn't progress. Would you all agree with that? We all have a desire to do that. So it's not for a lack of desire. So then my question becomes, what then is keeping us from dynamic, explosive growth in the kingdom. What holds us back? Second Corinthians 11.3 says this, But I'm afraid. Apostle Paul's writing to the church at Corinth. He says, But I'm afraid, lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds may be led astray from the sincerity and the purity of devotion to Christ. The King James puts it like this, from the simplicity that's found in Christ. This life that we lead is simple. It's really simple. But never mistake simplicity for being easy. There's a lot of things that are simple, but it doesn't mean they're easy because there's other things we deal with. For some of us, we might start on a journey to break some habits or to do some other things. It's simple. Just don't do it. It's simple. But it's not easy when we've got our minds in the way, 
We've got other things in the way. We've got guilt in the way. We've got our lack of abilities. We've got our self-perceptions. We've got all these things in the way. It's really easy to stop doing anything. Just don't do it. It's simple. It's really simple to reach the world with the gospel. It's simple. But it doesn't mean it's easy. We struggle with the easy not with the simple. So in our text is what is termed a conditional statement. It's conjunctive in the sense that they're tied together. And so it says, if you will hearken diligently to observe and to do all the things I command you this day, then... All these blessings will come on you and overtake you. Simple. Just do everything God said. Obey Him. Simple. Then you get the blessings. The problem is, is it's not easy sometimes. So what do we do? We recognize that the promises of God come with conditions. Now, the problem I see in the Word of God many times, not with the Word, but in the Word, is that when we go to share the gospel with people, we often mix up God's pattern for making disciples. It doesn't mean that everything that we have in our path is wrong. In fact, most of the time, it's right. It's just we have it in the wrong order. So in this case, first we faithfully obey. Then we're careful to do all his commands. And then the blessings come on us. So the Lord your God will set you on high above all the nations of the earth. And all these blessings will come on you and overtake you. If God said do this and this will happen, is God a liar? So if we're not operating in the, this will happen, then maybe it's because we don't have the if down yet. We've not quite done the if. We can delude ourselves into believing we've done the if, but we've not really done it. James 1.22 in the ESV reads like this. Don't just be hearers of the word. You've got to be a doer. The problem with this generation is we think that if we identify the problem, we've dealt with the problem. I can identify that I'm overweight. <laughs> Come on, somebody. But if I don't deal with it, the revelation that I'm aware of that will not go any further. You've got to do something. You can't just hear about it. Isn't it amazing today with all of our electronic devices, we can read a headline and think we're informed about the news. And all they did is get you to look at clickbait. You knew absolutely nothing about the topic at hand, but man, you're informed. You can tell me every headline from here to here to here to here. And we think we've dealt with it. Well, let me give you some binary truths from the Word of God. 
especially when it comes to reaching the lost. The first one's found in John 1, 14. It says, And the Word became flesh and took up residence among us, and we saw His glory as of the one and only from the Father, full of grace and truth. Everybody say grace, grace. and truth. So we behold Jesus in the glory. We see the glory full of grace and truth. His job is to reveal the heart, mind, and will of the Father for any specific place, purpose, or time. So he comes and we see him full of grace and truth. Now why is that important? Because when you see these words together, truth is preceded by grace. But in the church today, we have a tendency to flip the order. We want to speak truth and never display grace. God hates murder. How does a murderer feel? Hated by God. Is what I said incorrect? No. God does hate murder. But it wasn't preceded by grace. And mercy is the forerunner of grace. We want people to come to Jesus when we give them the truth. It doesn't work that way. You have to display grace and show them God's mercy. You get that teen that's being tugged at because on one hand, they've got their friends and their pals and they're getting into drugs and they're getting into sex and they're getting into gangs and they're getting into whatever they're getting into. And if we come at them with the truth and say, you know what? God doesn't approve of that lifestyle. What you're saying is accurate. It's true, but it's not going to turn their heart because there's no grace. Instead of coming and saying, you know what? God loves you so much. I want you to know that he gave his only son, Jesus, just for you. Oh, yeah, but you don't know me. If somebody tells us that, what do we say? If somebody says, Oh, but you don't know what I've done. What do we say? Oh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. God loves you. It really does matter. But it's in how you say it. See, God hates sin. So we don't say sin doesn't matter. Sin does matter. Sin separates us from God. But so often, when God was confronted with the thoughts of man, he ignored them. When he called Moses, he didn't run after Moses, and Moses said, oh, I can't go because I don't talk well. God didn't say, oh, you're right, you're the wrong guy. He didn't even acknowledge it. Time and time and time again, he ignored his excuses and told him his plan. What about that young person now that wants to say, you don't know what I've done? Say, ah, but I know the plan of God for your life. See, now you start to display mercy and grace. Instead of saying it doesn't matter, you display God's mercy and grace. How do I know that it doesn't matter isn't true? Because we only say that to the world. Let somebody screw up in the house of God and see whether it matters or not.
somebody screws up in here, we go, oh, no, mm, sorry, you can't do that. Somebody has an affair in the house of God, and you can't do that. Oh, pastor, nobody in here is doing that, not yet. But I promise you, this house isn't just for entertaining the saved. You start bringing the lost in, they're called the lost for a reason. To them, having an affair is not lost. It's what you do. Shocking up with your girlfriend is not being lost. It's what you do. Well, geez, you got to try out the car before you buy it. No. That's screwing up the order of things. But you don't have to put it like that. You let grace precede what you're telling. Let me tell you, grace then truth. What did Jesus say in John 17? He said, and the glory that you've given to me, I've given to them. What's the glory for? To see the Father. And that glory was contained in grace and truth. So if Jesus gave to us the same glory that he operates in, and that's for one purpose, to introduce them to the Father, to bring them to a loving God, then we need to be full of grace, then truth. Because if we proceed grace with truth, you present the wrong picture of Jesus. It's not the way he operated. He's our example of success. And the same glory that Jesus walked in, we should be walking. So Hebrews 1, 2 through 3 says this. In these last days, he, referring to God, has spoken to us by a son whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom he also made the world, who is the radiance of his glory and the representation of his essence, sustaining all things by the word of his power. Woo, that's who Jesus is. And... and Paul said in Romans 8, 29, I've been predestined to look like him. Jesus said, I've given you the glory. So go in what I've given to you. What I've given to you is the ability to speak grace. You don't have to know everything about the law in order to tell people how wrong they are. What you have to know is God loves people. Put it another way. Pharisees came to Jesus and they were trying to trap him. They said, what is the greatest commandment? What, what, what really is it? Should I do this, do this? And Jesus said, you tell me. Well, the greatest, love God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said, yeah, that's it. Love God vertically. Love your neighbor this way. He didn't say, love God and those that acknowledge him. He didn't come to seek and to save, but the lost. That's what he came to do. So the glory is reflected. When I see so much in the world today, and we know it's messed up. Man, come on, it is messed up. But we only have to look at ourselves to find out why. Because when it came to the things, and, and I've been doing this a long time. When it comes to things, I remember all the pro-life marches with our signs 
I, I didn't participate in these because I didn't even like them back then. But abortion is murder. And we'd pick it outside of abortion clinics. We do all this other stuff. See, that's truth for grace. And God wanted to touch that little girl's heart, not call her a murderer. But because we proceeded grace with truth and reversed the order, we missed what God was trying to say. And they missed God's mercy and grace. John chapter 3, verses 16 through 18, For in this way God loved the world so that He gave His one and only Son, in order that everyone who believes in Him will not perish but will have eternal life. You know, that's a staple verse for anybody that's born again. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. But you know, sometimes we become so familiar with certain things, we rattle through it. Oh yeah, I forgot to love the world. He gave His only begotten Son. Who's a believer in this? You know, a person that has no life. And they're going, huh? Oh, it's John 3.16. Yeah, what is that? See, they may have never heard that verse before. And you may not quote it verbatim. But you can say, listen, God loves you. He loves you so much, He sent Jesus to die for you. The very next verse, what does it say? For God did not send His Son into the world in order that He should judge the world, but in order that the world should be saved through Him. He didn't send Jesus to judge, so why are we? Because the glory that He had is the glory we have, and the glory we're to walk in to show others Jesus. Think of Zacchaeus, arguably one of the biggest crooks in Israel. And Jesus didn't point at him and go, you know what? You're a filthy, lying, stinking crook. Would have been accurate. Would have been truth. But he said, hey, I'm meeting with you tonight. I'm going to hang out with that guy. And what did all the religious people say? <laughs> we wouldn't even darken his door. Crook, thief, liar, cheat, prostitute, drug dealer. How about Mary Magdalene? Seven demons cast out of her. Jesus didn't look and go, whore. Set her free. Showed her grace. She followed him. How about the woman caught in adultery? Oh, you broke one of the big ten. See, all the others around were picking up stones to stone her. Within the law, they were accurate. It was true that they had the right to kill her by the law. But Jesus didn't come to just declare truth. He was truth. And the truth that he displayed said, those of you that are perfect, kill her. 
And then he knelt down, started writing all their girlfriends' names in the sand. Oh, wait, no, he just was writing in the sand. One by one, the rocks start hitting the dirt. And they all left. And he looks at the woman who, under the law, should be stoned. That's true. And he said, woman, where are your accusers? Who's left to condemn you? Neither do I. So why do we insist on being condemning? Ah, oh, I don't even have time to get into this next one, so I'm not going to. But you think about the thief on the cross that was next to Jesus. Jesus could have looked at him and said, you know what? You're getting what you deserve. You're being, you're being crucified, but you deserve it, man. didn't even the one that said if you really are save yourself and us save us the other guy said are you what are you doing we deserve to be up here he doesn't please remember me he said you'll be with me today in paradise notice he never looked at the other guy and said you're wrong He didn't look at him and say, you don't understand the plan of God. He didn't look at him and say, you're ignorant. But you know what? Those that were the most knowledgeable in the word were the ones that put him on the cross. So never let yourself get to the point where you think, I know so much about the word. I would never do that because that's what they thought. And they missed the grace of God in their midst. So as we honor the king, let's do so with grace and truth. Let's put it in the right order because then we'll get from the commission to bringing people to Jesus and begin that road of discipleship. Amen. Let's stand up. Next week, we'll talk about another binary truth called power and wisdom. Power and wisdom. Because the kingdom of God is not in meat and drink. It's not in just the things of the natural. That's not it. But it's in righteousness peace, joy in the Holy Ghost, and operative power. And all of that will precede wisdom. Amen? I want us to do something tonight. I want everybody in here to get one person in mind. One person you may see them every day. You may see them occasionally. But right now, God's placing somebody on your heart. Right now, 
there's somebody that you know that needs God's grace. Maybe in times past, all you've done is present truth. But over the last several weeks, we've been talking about being firmly grounded in God, knowing who you are, avoiding distractions, all these things. Why? Because the kingdom of God is in righteousness first. We've got to start there. Get our lives in order. Get set where we need to be. Because if we're not there, if we don't feel like God loves us, it's really hard to tell somebody else God loves them. So we've been just one step at a time. Here we go. But now that we're there, think of that one that you could reach out to this week. Maybe somebody you work with. Maybe one of your neighbors. And you can just say, you know what? Let me show God's grace. I'm going to be merciful. I'm not going to get all bent out of shape when there are dogs in my yard again. I'm not going to be angry when they do this. I refuse to let the power of the enemy dictate my actions. And let the power of love, God's grace, the very thing that caused him to send Jesus for me, is what I'm going to display to others. Amen? Does everybody have one person? If you've got one person, just raise your hand right now. I've got one in my heart. Okay, now I'm going to show you how to bring that person to the Lord. Right now, together, we're all going to start praying for that one. Because everything has to go here first. Love God. We're going to take him before God. We really don't have a right to go to them on God's behalf if we're not willing to go to God on their behalf. So let's go to God and lift them up. Just do that in your own way right now. You pray for them the way you know how to pray. Doesn't have to be anything special at this point in time. You just pray and lift their name before the throne of God. Father, right now I pray I thank you that the steps of the righteous are ordered of the Lord. Those that are in you have already been made righteous. So, Father, I thank you that as we step out today, we are going to display your grace. We're going to be of the household that will love people to life. That's step one. Just pray for them. Step two, you look for the opportunity that will present itself in this week or the next two weeks or the next month. It will present itself because you've prayed. And God wants them to know him more than you do. You get to be the tool in his hand. Because you've prayed, the opportunity will come, the door will be opened, and you'll be able to say, you know what, I just want you to know how much I appreciate you. I want you to know that I love you, so does God. 
And it may not always seem like the most opportune time. I was on the streets. We were doing street ministry. Late at night, I didn't have time to go home and change because normally I wouldn't have worn this downtown in my home city. It's not a... But you got to picture this. This is back in the 80s, early 80s. And I've got my team going out on the street. We're going to go street witnessing. Because I didn't get home, I'm wearing white tennis shoes, white pants, and a bright fuchsia shirt. Yeah, polo shirt, man. I am looking like anything but what I am. And I'm down there to tell people about Jesus. I'm going to share God's love. And I'm walking by this bar. And all of a sudden, the window next to me crashes. And this guy's just been thrown out the window. And he is drunk off his keister. Another guy comes chasing after him, and he's hiring a kite. Now, for anybody that's never done street ministry, you get a druggie and an alky, they are not friends. They're coming from two different worlds. And they did not want to get along. And they're ready just to go at it. I mean, things are coming up. So me, in all my wisdom, decide that a guy... Five foot six, 132 pounds, should jump in the middle of these two behemoths in my white pants and my bright fuchsia shirt. And I jump in between the two of them. I say, stop, stop, stop. Wait, 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 wait. And they're looking at me and I go, I just want you to know. I love you. And God loves you. And they look. They're now best friends. They have a new enemy, number one. And they came at me and they said, you know what? We are going to rip you limb from limb. And I said, no, you're not. They said, oh, yes, we are. I said, no. See, God hasn't given you that ability. He's given me the ability to love you and to show you how much he cares for you. And you know what they did? They threw up their arms. They said, oh, this isn't worth our time. But they were worth God's. So now I'm pursuing them. And just letting them know God loves them. See, it might not come the way you think, but you'll get the opportunity. And don't be afraid to walk through it and just share God's love. Amen? Amen? I mean, we could have a massive altar call and have you pray for your friends, but I don't want you just to do that and go out there and forget them. You go out there You've already prayed. Now you go out there and make it a point. You all got those little digital things? Put a reminder on there every day to pray for them now. I don't know how to do that. Google it. The Google prophet will tell you how to set a reminder on your phone. Amen? All right. Practice it this week. Come back next week. We're going to talk about power of grace and Sunday. Woo! You're going to want to be here. And you might want to start getting here early while you can still get a seat. And let me tell you something else.
we, we say this in our home church. You come early, you park far, and you sit close. Come early, park far, you go to the far end. Park your car down there so that all those new folks got these fine parking spots up front. So you come early, park far, sit close. Not just this way close, but this way close. Because you know each other. You don't mind hanging out with each other. But a new person may not want you that close. So we need to open up all the chairs we can. And by the way, we're going to have a lot more in here Sunday. So what do we do? We come early, park far, sit close. Yes, this and this. Have you ever been in, how many of you have been a visitor to New Church? Where did you sit? I'm a little weird. I like to come right in and sit. Well, that's not true, because when we first came here, where did we sit? We sat in back. We didn't even want Pastor Barb to know we were here. We told her brother, we said, don't you dare call her. Don't you tell her we're coming. You are sworn to secrecy. We're going to sit in back. So even my first Sunday, I sat in back. So make sure that we make room. Amen? Love you all. See you Sunday.